in the Greek from this passage. We see fear being um, timidity, fearfulness, cowardice, reticence, which would be like a reserved spirit. It refers to excessive fear. I like this, a dread or of losing, causing someone to be faint-hearted. We're going to kind of visit that thought here in just a little bit also. Delia, Delios, um, we see here the two Greek words used. So God did not give us a spirit of fear, of timidity, of cowardice, of fearfulness, of reticence, of this faint-heartedness that's not from God. That constant dread and fear of losing or loss, that is not from God. He wants us to be strong in heart, strong in heart and have deep faith. That is God's, right? But what has he given us? Let's look at it. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but he has given us power, love, and sound mind. And aren't we so thankful? Aren't we so thankful? Yes. Last week we talked about power. We really kind of hit hard dunamis power, dynamic power, dynamite power. Well, this week we're looking at love. And we know this word of God name. We've talked about this word many times. And we see this word in the Greek, affection, goodwill, love, benevolence, of the love of mankind to mankind. Let's look at this second expression. I love this. Agape, love feasts. I'm in for that. I'm in for a love feast. I'm kind of in for a love fest, but I like the word love feast. And here, here's what it says. Feasts expressing and fostering mutual love which used to be held by Christians before the celebration of the Lord's Supper. And I want to say, hey, guess what? We're having a fall fest in a couple of weeks. And I'm just going to go ahead and call that a love feast. Right? Because that's going to be us expressing, expressing and fostering our mutual love with one another over this enjoyable time. So be here for fall fest. Bring a friend. Bring a family member. Agape. Loving this. These two thoughts. From GodQuestions.org. GodQuestions.org would be a good tool for you if you're looking for uh, Bible study tools. GodQuestions.org is a, is a website, if you will, and it has been Bible theologians, uh, teachers of all, from all through the ages that have collected data from the Bible and studies from the Greek and Hebrew, the Aramaic, and they have come up with how to answer some questions. And it's a great study tool, and I always want to give you great study tools for yourself, if you are working throughout the week at studying and learning more and you have questions, gotquestions.org is incredibly reputable. And I went on to gotquestions.org this week, and this is something they said about agape love. Agape love, as modeled by Christ, is not based on a feeling. Rather, it is a determined act of the will, a joyful resolve to put the welfare of others above our own. And we see that um, biblically related to Philippians 2, 3 through 4. Let's look at that. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking at your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Nothing quite causes us to look at our own interests like fear, right? Nothing. Nothing quite causes us to look at our own interests like fear. So I love this passage here. One, one for you to jot down for sure. Another um, quote from God Questions. Agape love does not come naturally to us because of our fallen nature. 
We are incapable of producing such a love. If we are to love as God loves, that love, that agape, can only come from its source. And we have good news in 1 John 3, 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Amen. And I did not input those exclamation points. They were in the Bible. And I love it. And that is what we are. And so we've got, got questions about work saying, we can't do this. this. This is not in our human fallen nature. God has to do this. And then we see in First John, he's done. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. That is good news tonight, church. And, and here's what's up. If you are a child of God, then you already have a God in you. If you are a child of God, you have a God in you. So when you choose to operate from love rather than fear, you choose to operate in your true identity. If you are a child of God, then you already have that agape in you. So when you choose to operate out of love rather than fear, you are choosing to operate from your true identity as a child of God. When we operate from fear, it hijacks our true identity in Christ. Love moves us toward our true identity. Fear hijacks it. Let's look at some more scripture. Um, let's look at 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not a perfect in love. So what I see here is that perpetual fear is evidence that you have some work to do. Don't be alarmed. Don't feel judged by this. Don't feel like, well, I, I, I don't know love. I don't know God. Well, listen, if you are a child of God and you are battling this constant perpetual spirit of fear, this is just evidence you've got some work to do, and that's okay. Do the work. Don't be like, oh, there's something wrong with me. And now I'm paralyzed because there's something wrong with me. No, 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 no. Take that as an opportunity to move forward and do the work. This is just evidence that there's some work to do. So get away with God. Spend some deep one-on-one -on -one time with Him. Let Him invade your space with His amazing love. This is an opportunity to grow in love. When you see that perpetual fear haunting you and haunting you, this is an opportunity to grow in love. So many times when we see that, oh, I, I do have this issue with, with fear, so maybe there's something wrong with me. No, 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 this is an opportunity to grow in love, not an opportunity to be paralyzed by what's wrong with you. So don't let fear keep you in perpetual fear. Move towards love. The Lord wants to spend that time with you. He wants to fill you really, truly to capacity and overflowing with his love. He wants to. And so he's in you. It's there. But you're not operating from it sometimes. So go alone with God. Get alone with God. Spend that time. Let him fill you with his love. This psalmist gets honest. Let's look at this. Psalm 34, 4. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. 
I sought the Lord and He answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. What a free moment. Yes. But we are even afraid to admit that we got our fear. Ginger laughed. Eric said amen. You guys with me? <laughs> Thank you, Psalmist, for your honesty. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. How did the Lord do this? With his love. With his love. Often we'll find ourselves in scenarios where we ask ourselves, what should I do? Anybody? What do I do? And we know that we have these options, right? Well, back in the day, we had this trendy thing that didn't just ask, what should I do? It would ask, what would Jesus do? Anybody? Okay, great bracelet, great idea. The problem was that a lot of people wearing the bracelet weren't very nice. And it was like this, became this like right wrong question. And it became like this, this, I'm doing it right because, you know. But there's hope. In the recent years, someone answered that question. And they came up with these four letters. H-W-L-F. What would Jesus do? He would love first. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. If you had the bracelet, and you remember that, Eric, you know what I'm talking about. People start, you know, they were wearing it, but they were, they were kind of haughty about it. And we're like, you're not doing it. When you're haughty, or when you're, you're making it about um, to do the right thing or the wrong thing. We talked about that this past Tuesday, legalism. A little bit. We talked about that. And it became this legalistic bracelet reminding us to do the right thing. Don't do this. Don't do that. And get your check marks and your stars with Jesus. But what we do, he would love first. <sighs> Thank you for answering that question, somebody. John 13, 34 through 35 reminds us what he would do. Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Amen. This was a new command because before Jesus came on the scene, the law or the command was Jewish moral code, right? And so here Jesus is like, the new law is love. The new code is love. Amen. The moral compass now is love. And I love that he follows it up with, by this everyone will know. Because back then, just as a good Jew, they did everything by the T. By the T. And that's how you knew. They were a good Jew. And so Jesus is like, so the new law is love. And if you love, then this is how we'll know your mind. Love. Oh. I love the idea that the new law is love. We can still use some help with that, amen? So the new law is love. It's not if you agree. New law is love. Not the new law isn't uh, do everything perfectly. The new law was love. It wasn't um, do things a certain way 
share your opinions, have the right opinions, or, or make sure your doctrine is lined up just right. Don't, it's not you have to have all the answers. So if you're picking your feet up off the floor because you're like, don't suck on my toes. But that's okay. It's okay. Remember, we're not going to be we're not gonna be paralyzed by maybe sometimes I've been legalistic this way or been legalistic that way. No, I'm going to be filled with his love. I'm going to live in the new law. It's love. And we all are growing here. And so Jesus has made it clear the law is love. The rule is love. Those people are my people. C.S. Lewis says, in such a fearful world, we need a fearless church. The new law is love. And I, and Marsha Reeder says, in such a fearful world, we need a loving church. And I agree with C.S. Lewis, but I think the most fearless thing we can do is to step in, in love. Is to walk in love. And to learn what that means. And grow in that. And I see Jesus in so many of you. God, this is not playing. I'm just going to go here. Patrick, I see Jesus in you. The way that you are loving your granddaughter and your great-grandson. And the way you are serving them. And if I can say, it has changed you. I see more joy. I see life. You're being Jesus. I see Jesus in you as you serve your family that way. And I want you to hear that today. You're fearless for your family, and it's awesome. And in a fearful world, they need a loving Patrick. Yes. I see you. It's good, man. It's good. And also, you're serving your wife at the same time. I know it's a lot sometimes. But the truth is, is that often uh, fear overshadows love, doesn't it? Yes. Often it does. It does. And I recently asked a group of people this question. From your perspective, how has fear <coughs> affected love? I gave them no parameters. I, I didn't give them any direction, just some general questions. And these are some real people with real answers. You might identify with some of them, okay? So here's the question. From your perspective, how has fear affected love? No direction. Just ask and let them give personal thought. In showing love and in receiving love, they gave two categories. In showing love, oh, I'm afraid of it, not being accepted. I'm afraid of rejection. I'm afraid of being hurt. Again, so I withhold love. And receiving love, I'm afraid they're just being nice to me. Afraid of how conditional their love might actually be. So, I block love. Another person, how has fear affected love? Fear is loud, they said. It's the crashing cymbal, the loud trumpet, the banging gong that overcomes and distracts both me and others from hearing and experiencing love. It has resulted in me missing others and potentially hurting others. Another person, how has fear affected love? And they said, fear freezes. Makes me freeze. Keeping me from living out my God-given given identity, my call to love and be loved. Anyone feel like this is relatable content tonight? 
How has fear affected love? Next person. Because I was so deeply hurt in the past, I've always been afraid that love would be a ticking time bomb. Fear has kept me from feeling loved. How has fear affected love? Another person says, because of fear of rejection, I show love to others so they will accept me. Big loser. How has fear affected love for you? Someone else says, I have experienced great loss. The fear of more loss has me in a defensive posture, keeping me from loving and keeping love from me. How has fear affected love for you? Another person says, I was raised in a fear-based culture in a certain era of the church. Fear was the tool used to make me perform perfectly, and I still struggle with this. Even love can be a performance. How has fear affected love? Another person said, fear of more pain has caused me to push love away. I'm afraid someone won't stay, yet my protective shield is the very thing pushing them away. Including God. Another person says, I have fear affirming certain behaviors. Like if I show love to someone that is acting in a certain way, they may never feel the need to change that behavior. When in reality, love is the very thing that could help pull them up and out if we be. We have a hard time loving what we don't understand, don't we? What we feel like we're not sure we can trust. We have a hard time loving what we're not sure we can trust, don't we? Well, here's something I want you to do tonight. Fear has a thumbprint and it leaves a mark. It leaves a mark on our soul and it leaves a mark on others. But good news. Love has a thumbprint too. <laughs> and it leaves a mark. Love leaves a mark on our soul. And love leaves a mark on others too. People can feel the holy and the unholy from which we operate. Don't you know that? They can feel where we're coming from. Here are some clear thumbprints of both love and fear. Let's go through these. Love creates, fear destroys. As I say these, I have a feeling that you will have a flashback from when you have experienced these things from others. I pray that you'll also let the Holy Spirit work as I say these to show you maybe how you've operated in these. Oftentimes in these moments, we do start to um, respond with how we have felt from others. But maybe now we can also consider who we have been to others. All right? So love creates. Fear destroys. Love acts. Fear hesitates. <laughs> Love builds bridges. Fear builds walls. Love makes you feel strong. Fear leaves you feeling weak. Love strengthens your self-control. Fear weakens your self-control. 
Love heals. Fear causes more hurt. Oh man, that's a good one. For those that are, um, that spoke of living in a protective posture, it feels like you're protecting yourself so that you can heal, but you're actually potentially causing more hurt for yourself. Love heals. Fear causes more hurt. Love is crystal clear. Fear keeps you in the dark, confused, and always guessing. If you find yourself being like, I just don't know what to do, I don't know what to do, I just don't know what to do, and, and you're just in this place, then maybe take a step back and answer some of the questions that we're going to ask later, but maybe take a step back and ask, okay, what is love saying and what is fear saying? Because love is crystal clear, but fear causes that hazy confusion. Love disciplines with mercy. Fear is cold and callous. Love bears fruit of joy, peace, contentment, and hope. Fear yields discouragement, suffering, sadness, and despair. And this one, love gives, and fear takes. Y'all yeah. want to be someone who gives, not takes. Do you want to be someone who gives, not takes? Yeah. Do you want to be someone who gives and not takes? Well, the more we operate from love, I truly believe the stronger our love reflects will become. We talked last week about the fear reflex. We talked about power. Well, tonight, I believe that if we will operate in love in tandem with the spirit that is already alive in us, then we will strengthen that love reflex. And when the situation comes, when things arise, our reflex won't be to protect or to fear or walk in confusion, but instead to operate, to walk, to respond with love. Because the truth is, love is greater than fear. Do you believe that? Yes. Say it. Love is greater than fear. Love is greater than fear. Here's something cool. Science agrees. Harvard Medical recognized. Love deactivates the neural pathway responsible for negative emotions, such as fear and social judgment. Science agrees. We know it's true. And science agrees. Psychology Today says, love is the best and most reliable challenger of fear. And the word of God reminds us once again that love is greater than fear. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Yes. Praise be to the Lord. Praise be to the Lord. From my perspective, I too have seen fear affect love. But I've also seen love overcome fear. Through our years of life and ministry, our 20 plus years of life and ministry, we have seen love change the literal person. And we have seen love change things for people. We have seen love literally change the person. And we've seen love change things for people. So like with spouses or parents or friends or neighbors or daughters or, or brothers or sisters, when people would choose agape, and we watched this, and we've even for ourselves and our marriage, we've chosen agape, literally miracles have broken out. We have literally seen that things turn literally a tide, like I can't explain it, and the only way can put is miracles break out. And so, yeah, we can real quick, how has fear affected love? We can write a page on it. How has love overcome fear? We've seen it. You've seen it. You've experienced it. And the only way I can put it is I have seen little miracles break out in situations. And 1 Peter 4.8 says, above all, 
love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sin. And often, when love is applied in a situation, there is a whole lot of like forgiveness of sins and things like that, right? We know this. And so we have literally seen love not just affect fear, we've seen love overcome, conquer fear. In people, in churches, in situations, in marriages, in family. And here's just a list of things I want to say. That I have seen the miracles break out. And here's what's up. I have seen marriages restored. I have seen families reunited. I have seen the lost saved. I have seen friendships rekindled. Like long-time friendships with, with anger and bitterness. I have seen them rekindled. I have seen testimonies told. I have seen hearts, literally broken hearts, mended. Losses redeemed. I've seen pains released. I've seen people literally feel better. Patterns broken, cycles reversed, doubts fade, truth accepted, chains broken, freedom found, laughter returns. Anybody need a good laugh? <laughs> I mean, come on. When I've seen love come in the room, joy abounds, forgiveness is given, hope rises, faith bursts. And let me tell you this right now. When we allow fear, fear to be overcome by love, heaven touches earth. Do you believe that? When we allow fear to be overcome, conquered, obliterated by love, heaven touches earth. I have seen fear affect love. Yes, like you. And like my friends that shared. But because of the cross of Christ, I have seen agape, obliterate fear. It is time to come at the spirit of fear where it hurts. And that is the love of God. You can't reason with the spirit of fear. It will turn right back on you. It will give you exactly how it's going to go and, and to the very nth degree. And then you're going to step toward it and that's never going to happen. But you will enter a situation believing this is exactly this is the only, this is the only thing I can see how it go. This is the only way it could go. And so you move forward in this fearful thought of your limited mindset of how something could go or a situation could go. And so we live in this fearful response, this fear reflex. But when we would actually think through love and say, all right, the love of God invade me in this thinking space and show me with clarity the next step you want me to take. I can't tell you how, you might not tell me how it's going to end, but see, we want to know that, don't we? So then we kind of figure it out for ourselves. I may not see how it's going to end, Lord, but give me the next step in your love. That, my friends, is where we begin to obliterate fear. When we take the next step in God's love. If you need to know how it's going to end, you're going to have to crucify that on the cross tonight. Yeah. Write that on a piece of tape and put it up there. I have an issue with needing to know how it's going to end before I'll take the first step. Well, do you remember? Love moves, love acts, fear hesitates. Put that on the cross to me, because I have seen agape obliterate fear. And sometimes that agape just moves us to the next step. The next right step with God. The next right step with God. And I cannot tell you how it's going to go, but I can tell you, take the next right step with God. Fear will not continue to be the reflex in you. Love will. Let's look at it. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Say it with me. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I mean, 
truthfully, I'm talking to parents tonight, I'm talking to spouses tonight, I'm talking to single people, I'm talking to grandparents, daughters, brothers, friends, neighbors. And I can't look inside your situation, and I can't look inside your home, and I can't look inside your heart. And this isn't your typical sermon on love. We do that a lot here. We talk about love a lot. We talk about God's love a lot. But I believe that tonight in this room, and you don't have to go back to these slides, I believe in this room there are some marriages that need to be restored. I believe in this room that there's probably some families that be, need some reuniting. I believe in this room that we know somebody, maybe not here tonight, but we know somebody that's lost, that's a prodigal, that needs to come home. Maybe even in this room there's some friendships that need to be rekindled and a testimony just waiting to be told. Maybe your heart has been broken over and over again and you are ready for the mending. Retired living the brokenness. Maybe there's been so many losses and, and you're just ready for that to be redeemed. Maybe you've lived in pain for so long. Maybe that's due to, due to some trauma in your life or maybe it's due to a medical issue. I don't know, but you're ready for some pains, if you will, to be released out of your body, out of your soul. I believe you're tonight, but in a room this size, I believe that we probably have some people that need to break some patterns. Or know someone that needs to. Some of you are struggling with doubt tonight and you're having a hard time accepting the truth. Maybe there's even some chains. We're doing a, we're doing a book with the women's group right now on Tuesdays, breaking free, and, and we're break, we're watching chains break right off of people. I see them just falling out the door sometimes. It's beautiful. But maybe tonight you know that there's some chains that have been broken and some freedom found in your life. Maybe you haven't really laughed in a long time. But I want to tell you something. If you will take your next step in the love of God, you can begin to obliterate the fear that is telling you that your marriage can never work, that your family can never be united, that they will never come home. The list goes on. The lying of the enemy that wants you to live in fear and control rather than complete trust and love with God if you just take the next step because of love, you will find a freedom in your soul. You will find a freedom in your soul. And so the two questions we ask, we're going to ask during the series at the end of every message is, you've got to do some inventory. You've got to be able to say no and answer these two questions. It's so important so that when you're in that moment, you don't have the WWJD bracelet. You have it, right? Nobody has it. They're not selling them anymore. Maybe we need to make some, right? But you got to be able to ask these questions. So that you got to be able to stop and ask that you can have that clarity. But here's the two questions. And you have them on cards. You want to write this down again if you want. You have them on cards. You can come grab it in a little bit. But these are two really important questions. What is the spirit of fear telling me? And what is the love of God, love of God telling me? And the deal is we know. We know. We typically know, right? We typically know exactly what fear is saying and what love is saying. We don't want to say it, right? We don't want to say it.
say what they'll be saying is that I'm not going to do it. It's accountability. But we typically absolutely know. Matter of fact, I uh, reached out to Facebook land in the last 24 hours, and I asked this question. What does the spirit of fear look like to you? And I got lots of different answers. I got um, some colors. Some people said a certain color. I got the word fog, haze, uh, browns, and red hazes, and grays, and blacks, emptiness, nothing, spirals of darkness, images of judgment. Here's the deal. We don't just know what the spirit of fear is telling us. We know what it looks like.
weren't made in the image of fear. We were made in the image of love. And we operate in love. We operate in our true identity as a child of God. As an image bearer of Christ. Choose love. Worship to become, to become love. Um, so here at Church of God, Sarasota, the response is key to us. And we can say, choose love, and we can say, we can choose to operate from love, and we can kind of give all these instructions, and you can write it down, and, and then we can go to dinner at Gecko's and enjoy a great um, fajita or whatever they have, pita. They have this really great Cajun pita that I love. And, and we can just move on, right? It was a good message, good word. Yeah, choose love. And then, like, never do anything about it. And so we like to right away give an opportunity for you to move in the word that you've heard. To solidify it, to affirm it. So we're calling you to choose love, and we're going to give you a chance to move about the room to solidify and affirm some of that word. And here's some of the options that you have in the room tonight. We have made cards that have those two questions on them. What is the spirit of fear telling you, and what is the love of God telling you? And you're welcome to come to this table and fill out those cards. Fill in the blanks right here. You're also welcome to just take the card with you and do it later. But maybe in the room, because you know right now, one of those answers, write it down. Go ahead and write it down. Because you don't even just know what it's telling you, you know what color it is. So go ahead and spend some time doing that at this table while the worship team sings and worships. We also have a cross here with masking tape and markers. And, and one of the things we're liking to do in this specific series is to actually write the fear down that is keeping us from last week was power and this week is love. So write that fear down that is actually keeping you from stepping in love and just apply it to the cross. Rip off that tape and apply it to the cross. And when you put your hand on that cross, maybe just let his love melt into your heart. And here, the very source of agape is God. Here tonight, kneel. Ask him to help you. Ask him to help you choose love. Do you know that we actually need his help to even love him back? Because we are humans that concern ourselves with ourselves. We need his help to even love him back, let alone to get up here and love the world. Come, kneel, spend time with him. Ask him, help me. You know what you came in here tonight. You know the love that you need to choose. Ask him to help you in that area. And as always, candles representing the light of the world. His love is the greatest light. Invite him in tonight. Or you can stay where you are. You can worship him. He is good, he is love, and he is here. Tonight, church, choose love. Let me pray for you. Lord, you're so good. And you're so whole. And you're so kind. And you're so patient with us. And you see us down here like scaredy cats sometimes. <laughs> You see us shaking in our boots. And you stand by us and you 
Just continue to fill us with your love until we finally turn to you and say, would you help me? And you always do. And so, Lord, tonight, I pray that this message would bring someone to a place of just looking up and saying, will you help me? I need your help to even love you back, let alone to love this situation or this person or to show love in this way. So God, thank you. You are good. You are whole and you are kind and you are meeting us here right now. Thank you that your love has led the way, has modeled for us how to put our own interests to the side and be a giver, not a taker. We're yours, Lord. Have your way, Jesus.